the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Do you think that Jesus was treated well? Do you go through the New Testament and see him re- retreating from people because they hurt his feelings? You don't see that. It is sin and it is self-centeredness to retreat and just be in a church without being active. And it is foreign to the New Testament concept of a local church where people are to interact with one another. They are to love each other. They are to serve each other, not just people who treat them kindly. But that, that's the big picture. That's what Paul is talking about in Colossians 3. And we need to face this. We are not to be isolationists. We are not to just come in at the ends of, uh, or be the last ones in the church service and first ones out. We are to be active with people. And I realize that there, as I said, there are people who've been burned. There are people, hey, there are people who've been on the staff of, of churches who have been hurt deeply. But it is not right to retreat. It is foreign to the New Testament. It is, it is a form of gross self-centeredness and self-love. Many of us go through life like a snail or a tortoise, ready to curl up into our shell at the first sign of danger. We have been hurt by the words and actions of others, and we want to protect ourselves from experiencing that sort of pain again. And this is perfectly natural. Yet it is not the way God has called his children to live. As members of the family of God, we have an obligation to stay engaged with other believers and love and serve them as Christ has loved and served us. We'll learn more about how we can do this in just a moment. Welcome to another broadcast of Verse by Verse. We are currently in a series of messages from Colossians, chapter 3, entitled The Battle for Holiness. In today's program, Pastor Steve will continue to examine the different virtues or attitudes that Christians should have in their lives as a result of God's work in their hearts, attitudes like compassion, kindness, and humility. We have already seen that believers are told to put on these attitudes in the same manner that we might put on a garment of clothing. It is a clear reminder to us that we do have an option in our responses. We can choose to respond according to our natural impulses. But if we are going to make any progress in our struggle for holiness and Christ-likeness, then we must choose to respond according to God's Word and His example. Pastor Steve is here now to tell us more about how we can do this. I told you before that one of my heroes of the faith is Dr. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And uh, I kind of tell you week by week or every few weeks new things I've read in this book. It is a mammoth book. And so I'm I'm working my way through it slowly. And D. Martin Lloyd-Jones in the 60s was very concerned with the ecumenicism uh, that was happening in, in England. He saw that there were evangelicals mixing with liberals and he spoke out against it. And you might think that he would be harsh and hard. And yet, when when one who disagreed with him, and I think was rather liberal, came to hear him preach and met him after, he was very surprised that personally, uh, in a private manner, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones very warm to him and received him. And I, I was just so impressed with that. I was impressed with that because here's a man 
who was contending for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints, but on a personal level was warm. And I think that is the spirit of Christ not to be nasty, not to be harsh. Well, that's what Paul is saying. We are to be kind. Are you kind? Are you hard and harsh? There are some Christians who are overly critical. They think that they're standing for the faith when all they are doing is venting anger in the in the guise of spirituality. It is not spiritual to be to be harsh and nasty and hard. We are to be kind. Third piece of spiritual clothing that we are to put on is humility. Uh, I think this term is is grossly misunderstood. Uh, in fact, the ancient Greek world despised humility. You know that? They despised it. They didn't think it was a virtue. And the reason they despised it is because they admired pride and domination. But in Jesus Christ, uh, this was elevated to a virtue. This is one of the highest virtues, humility. Literally, the word, and this is why it's so misunderstood, the word means lowliness of mind or to think uh, lowly of yourself. And so some people come to this and say, oh, I've got to act like a worm. I've got to think poorly of myself. No, to think lowly of yourself is not, to, is not the same thing of thinking, as thinking poorly of yourself. The, the thought is to have a proper estimate of yourself, to have a healthy view of yourself, to not think of yourself as better than you are, to not exalt yourself. Paul speaks about that in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, not to think of ourselves as greater than we are, to not exalt ourselves, to see ourselves in light of how God sees us, that in his sight we are simply uh, lowly creatures who he happens to love, not to think of ourselves as better than others. It is having a servant's heart. It is taking the place beneath others to minister to them. And that's the thought, to take the place beneath others to minister, to be a servant. Philippians chapter 2 explains what humility is all about. Verses 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he speaks of having this mind or attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself, though being God, took on the form of a man, became a man, the God-man, and humbled himself. That's, that's humility. That's humility, to take the place of being a servant. It's really the cure to self-love. The reason we're not humble is because we think too much of ourselves. We think too much of ourselves, and and it is epidemic, this attitude of of self-esteem. I had the opportunity to talk to to someone recently, or or sometime back, I should say, uh, not, not that recent, and uh, she said to me, she said, you know, my problem is I, I just don't love myself enough. And I said, honey, your problem is you love yourself too much. You're always thinking about yourself. And she was absolutely shocked, absolutely shocked. Scripture says we ought to be humble. And part of humility is having a proper understanding of ourselves, who we are in relation to God and what we are to be in relation to one another. We are to esteem others as more important than ourselves in serving them. A fourth piece of clothing that we are to put on is gentleness. Now, the King James translates this word as meekness, and that often gives the impression of weakness. In fact, it sounds like that, meekness, weakness. And so uh, people think, well, if you're, if you're gentle or meek, you've got to be wimpy and spineless. That's not what this word means at all. In fact, that's how the world interprets it. There was a humorous John Upton Dixon 
who said he was writing a book about, about people like this called Cower Power. And he said that he was founding a group for submissive meek people called Doormats, which stood for dependent organization of really meek and timid souls if there are no objections. And he said their motto was to be that the meek shall inherit the earth if that's okay with everybody. You see, that's that's how the world looks at it. Like, excuse me for living, I'm sorry. Uh, that's what people think about gentleness. gentleness. But uh, that is not uh, what the Bible means by gentleness. The word means strength under control. It just means you're under control. The concept is one of being submissive to God even when you're being opposed by others. It's, it's when in your flesh you'd like to retaliate, you're under control. You don't lose it. You don't lose your control because someone opposes you. And we know that this word means that uh, because of how it's used in the New Testament. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and following, Paul says, And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness. And there's that word, correcting those who are in opposition. So you don't argue with people. You don't lose your cool. You don't, you, you don't blow your your uh, testimony. First uh, Peter chapter three, verse fifteen speaks about that as you're evangelizing. First Peter three fifteen says, "But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness." And reverence. So when you're witnessing to somebody and they say you're stupid for believing the gospel, you don't go off and have a little, little tirade against them. Paul says you tell them, or Peter says you tell them why you believe this and you do it with a spirit of gentleness. You don't retaliate. Are you like this? I mean, do you have this virtue on? Or are you threatened by people who disagree? Are you defensive? Do you lose control? Are you simmering right below the surface so if somebody pushes a button, you just let them have it? You don't even give good arguments. You just blow up. You're frustrated. You're not cool under attack. That's that's all of the virtue. That's what Paul's talking about. A fifth article of clothing that we're to put on is patience. This means long-suffering, and, and you don't even need to explain much about this. It's, it's long-suffering in the face of insult. It is the opposite of being short-tempered and vengeful and resentful. It's just wrong to lose your temper. It's wrong to, to have a hissy fit, to, to, to storm and, and explode. It's just wrong. Paul says that. Now, these are the virtues we're to put on. Why? Because this is how... And watch this, you get along with people. Because all of us, we could be very comfortable saying, I've put these things on as long as I don't have to rub shoulders with anybody. I'm fine. I'll wear this in the morning. But if I have to meet anybody who I disagree with, I'm taking it off. See, that's what Paul is saying. This is how you get along with people. And I believe he's talking within the context of a local church. This is how to win the battle for holiness you put these things on and you wear them in the midst of people who irritate you and people who are uh, nasty and harsh and everything that your flesh would like to be towards them, but you don't. You see, all of these virtues have to be practiced in the context of the local church. That's one reason why God put us together. That's one reason why there's such things as a church family. So you will be forced to apply his word about wearing virtue when others don't treat you properly. 
You see, watch this. It is these very hassles that God uses to make us more like Jesus Christ. The very things that we don't like within people are the very things that God uses to force us to face these things and to put on these things. Uh, I, I had a um, demonstration of it this week. This week I received a very harsh letter, a critical letter, not even from someone from our church. You might wonder, why do you get letters from people? I don't know. But um, my first response was, oh, yeah, I'm going to write this person back and give him a piece of my mind. But I can't afford to lose too much. So I didn't. I, I thought about it. I sought counsel from friends. And uh, I thought this week as I was studying this, this is the very thing that I'm teaching about. This is the very thing that I have to practice in my own life. And so I went through this myself and uh and put on a heart of compassion, put on kindness, and I think I wrote a, a kind letter. I think it was uh, honest and and uh, and forceful, but not nasty and not retaliatory. So I'm just saying that the things that God puts in our lives, he puts in our lives to force us to get along with one another with Christ-like virtue. But there are some Christians who have had bad experiences in church, and I understand that, because there are some bad people in church. <laughs> Let's face it, we... We've had, we've all had bad experiences in, in church, but instead of responding with virtue, what often happens is they retreat. They either don't go to church anymore, or if they do, they're, they just are so, um, uh, anonymous in church and so uninvolved that they might as well not be there. They come for the message, they hear the message, they may like the message, they may not, uh, but they're not active. They're not active. And the reason being is that because they've been burned before, they don't want to get close to anybody. And you know what? That's just absolutely wrong. I have to tell you that that's sin. That is not the biblical way of dealing with it. God has allowed you to go through difficulties in order to force you to face the issue that no matter how you've been treated, your response needs to be Christ-like in virtue. Do you think that Jesus was treated well? Do you go through the New Testament and see him retreating from people because they hurt his feelings? You don't see that. It is sin and it is self-centeredness to retreat and just be in a church without being active. And it is foreign to the New Testament concept of a local church where people are to interact with one another. They are to love each other. They are to serve each other. Not just people who treat them kindly. But that, that's the big picture. That's what Paul is talking about in Colossians 3. And we need to face this. We are not to be isolationists. We are not to just come in at the end of, uh, or be the last ones in the church service and first ones out. We are to be active with people. And I realize that there, as I said, there are people who've been burned. There are people, hey, there are people who've been on the staff of, of churches who have been hurt deeply. But it is not right to retreat. It is foreign to the New Testament. It is, it is a form of gross self-centeredness and self-love. I'll never be hurt again, so I'll never let you get close to me. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. Love always takes the risks of being hurt. Always. What happens when we put on, when we put on this, uh, the, these virtues? Well, I see that my time is up again, and believe me, I have, I have more. We'll, we'll pick this up next week, but what he's gonna say is to bear with one another and forgive one another, and I don't wanna stop uh, I need to stop here because I want to do justice to the text. But I want to close, and don't close your mind, I want to give you some specific ways that you can put these virtues into practice. You ought to, you ought to take this, this down. 
some specific ways you can put these virtues into application. Number one, visit people in the hospital. Yes, you can visit people in the hospital. Send cards of sympathy. Invite someone over who's lonely. Do you realize we have lonely people in this church? Lonely people, especially those who are single. You say, well, I don't know the single. Exactly. You get to know them. Invite them over. Reach out to them. Uh, we, we have people who are lonely. We have widows. We have widowers. We have singles in our church who are lonely. Number two, you can serve in a ministry that needs help. Like the youth ministry. There are not many youth workers. You say, but in a church this size, I thought we had a lot of people. You thought wrong. We don't. No, we don't. We don't have many youth workers who, who will stick with it. There are other ministries, too, that you can be involved in. That brings up an important point. There are some of you who are not members of the church for the wrong reasons. I understand and, and I can appreciate it if there's something that you disagree with doctrinally and you say, look, in clear conscience, I can't sign the doctrinal statement. We wouldn't want you to violate your, your conscience. We can agree to disagree on, on those things. We want you to fellowship here. But some people, I'm convinced, don't become members because they don't want responsibility. They don't want to be accountable to one another. They don't want to, to be in a position where, where they're called upon to do something because they have identified themselves and joined the church. And that's very wrong. That's sin. That's just avoiding New Testament responsibility. And there are some who, who believe, well, look, uh, if I don't become a member, I really can live any way I want, and they can't discipline me. I've got news for you. We will discipline you, because the New Testament speaks of this, just because you identify this church. But some of you need to become members. I think in, in our day and age, we have so stressed the personal relationship to Christ that we have neglected to say that a personal relationship with Christ also is involved and means you have a relationship with other believers who have a personal relationship with Christ. And I think the balance needs to, needs to be proclaimed. But some of you are not members for the wrong reasons. Another thing you can do, take time to ask how someone is doing without it being a socially acceptable thing. Like, hey, how's it going? I mean, I've had people say that to me, and when I'm about to tell them what a bad day I've had, they're gone. Uh, I spoke to somebody this week, and I said, I didn't realize you weren't feeling well. And this person um, said, of course you wouldn't. You never asked me. In fact, nobody asked me. And uh, the tone was a, was a little, uh, little hard. They have a very valid point. How many of us do really ask one another how we are? That's why I usually say, and I know it's become a cliche, to greet one another at the beginning of service with sincerity or a warm greet, just because I don't want you to do it out of habit. I want you to do it because it's real. And uh, when you ask someone, how are you, wait for them to tell you. It may be a bad day for them. But kindness, kindness. Another way, go out of your way to be warm to someone who doesn't talk to you. You know, every once in a while I hear it, I hear this from somebody in the church. So-and-so doesn't talk to me. I see them in the hall, and uh, I say hi, and they just walk right past me. Now, a lot of times, the other person's not even aware of it. But sometimes it could be that they, that they aren't saying something to you. So the thing to do is not to boil inside and not to tell somebody else about it. Don't tell me about it or someone else. The, the biblical thing to do is go to them and say, excuse me, um, 
I, I wonder if there's something I've done to offend you. Uh, well, why would you think that? Because you never seem to say hi to me. That's all it takes. And they may tell you, well, actually, you did something to offend me. And uh, you ought to get it right, right there. Most of the time, I think they're going to say, you know, I just had my head in the clouds. I was thinking about uh, what I had to do. I, I didn't even realize it. That's the kind of thing to do. Go out of your way to be warm to someone who you don't think talks to you. Break down the barriers so that in the context of a local church, we're getting along with one another. We're, and you'll see next week what it means to bear with one another, to forgive one another. So let's bring this together. We can conclude that all of us at times have had difficulties with other people. You would not be human if you didn't have difficulties with one of with other people. Some of us have been very poorly treated, but no matter how you've been treated, you are responsible to put on heaven's wardrobe of Christ-like virtue. It, you cannot give the excuse, but so-and-so did this. To, no, Jesus never did that, and this is his wardrobe. You are to take off the sins of anger. You are to put on the virtue of compassion and, and kindness. Now, if you say, I can't do that, I, I just, I'm not capable of that, then you probably don't know Jesus Christ. Because if you know Jesus Christ, you have a new nature, and the new nature gives you the capacity to obey everything in Colossians 3, in fact, everything in the Word of God. So you need to evaluate, is there fruit in my life? Am I incapable of loving and being compassionate and all these things. Am I incapable of doing that? If you are incapable of doing that, then you need to accept Christ. You need to recognize that you do not have a new nature. You have an old, wicked nature that only does old, wicked things. And so I call you to repentance, to turn from that, and I call you to turn to Jesus Christ. You can speak to someone about Christ after the service just by going through the door by the organ, or you can accept Christ even as I speak. You can accept Christ at any time. It is the work of God in your hearts. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you do know Christ, then you need to put this into application. You need to put on this wardrobe, consciously doing these things. And if you are someone who's lonely, and if you are someone who's a widow or a widower or a divorced person, don't just wait for them to minister to you. You also have to minister to others yourself. So don't just be sitting back waiting and say, give it to him, Steve. I need someone to help me. Now, you need to put this on yourself and help others as well. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is a pretty intimidating list, isn't it? How can a person put on all of these spiritual virtues? Well, as Pastor Steve just pointed out, it cannot be done without the life of God inside of us. And even then, we need to rely upon the power of God's Spirit to work in us and through us. Still, there are some other things we can be doing that will help us to be more successful in putting on these essential Christ-like attitudes. Pastor Steve has already alluded to the first of these, and that is to simply start taking steps to put these virtues into practice. We all know that when we want to get better at something in life, we need to practice it. If we want to grow stronger or run faster and longer, then we need to exercise. And although the Christian life is not something that we can merely act out without being changed on the inside, it is still true that we need to exercise our spiritual nature. In 1 Timothy 4.7, Paul told Timothy to exercise or discipline himself toward godliness. So the first thing we need to do is just get off the couch, so to speak, and start doing some of the things that we know Christ wants us to do in developing these attitudes. As we do, we will begin to get better and better at doing them. 
In our upcoming studies, Pastor Steve will be examining a few more key points on how we can put things into practice in our lives, so you won't want to miss those programs. They may actually help change your life. As usual, here on Verse by Verse, we have been featuring the teaching of Steve Kreloff. Steve is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and his clear teaching has been a great help to believers over the years. We are glad to be able to bring these sermons to you through the Verse by Verse radio ministry. It is our sincere prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by God's Word as it is taught on this program. If you have any questions about today's program or about any of our previous broadcasts, please contact us so that we can help. You can call, write, or email us, whichever is most convenient for you. Our phone number is 727-239-0306. If you'd like to contact us through the mail, our address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. And our email address is info, info at versebyverseradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Finally, we'd like to mention that Verse by Verse depends upon the financial gifts of its listeners. If you have been blessed by the biblical studies heard daily on this program, please consider a financial gift to the ministry. Your partnership with us will help to keep this helpful teaching on the air. Getting along with the people of God isn't always easy, and even when we know what we should be doing, it is often very difficult to put those things into practice in our lives. Pastor Steve will continue to examine Paul's instructions. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 